The title Rabbi Rav appeared in ancient Palestine about the first century of the Common Era, and later in Babylon or Babylonia to designate an individual of exceptional learning and experience and expertise in Jewish law. The professional rabbi, on the other hand, became visible only in medieval times, or in the words of the great historian of a previous generation, Simcha Asaf, a scholar with authority over the Jewish community to adjudicate, to teach, and direct its religious life. But such a definition obscures a critical ambiguity that I want to follow out tonight. Namely, did the rabbi hold power over the Jewish community by virtue of his sanctified status as a scholar, or did he derive his authority from the community itself? Rabbis clearly saw their authority stemming from God and not dependent on the communities they served. But with the growing professionalization of the rabbinate in the Middle Ages and, of course, in the modern era, rabbis struggled with this uncertainty over maintaining their own autonomy when employed and subservient to the people they sought to lead. In other words, we witness a gradual transformation from the ancient rabbi as holy man who devotes himself to the study of the law to one professionalized by the late Middle Ages. And by the way, the ancient rabbi also did not necessarily earn a living from being a rabbi. He held another job and then uh, simply was a rabbi, magician, spiritual figure uh, uh, in addition to, to earning his own living. But by the late Middle Ages, essentially, rabbis were earning their limbing, performing religious functions required by the community. In the Ashkenazic community in particular, a fixed formula of ordination emerged, Morenu Harav, equivalent to the Christian Meister or Magister, emerged with a stipulation of rabbinic qualifications and privileges, and multiple tasks such as legal expert, preacher and teacher, and also revealing the limitations of that, uh, of, of that particular office, besides prerogatives and power which were set always by the community. By the dawn of the modern age, we enter a different status entirely. Rabbis continue to occupy the central religious and cultural role among the Jewish communities, by virtue of their prodigious learning, their personal piety, and their own spiritual vocation to shape the Jewish community in the image of God. And thus they refused, even though in reality they needed to accept the mere status of communal appointees. Driven by the cataclysmic forces of the enlightenment and emancipation, the rabbis suffered an even greater crisis of authority in the modern age, with the decline of the organized Jewish community and its authority to impose its will on its own congregants. Congregations became, as they are now, voluntary associations. You can choose to be here Friday night, or you can choose to be somewhere else. The rabbi can speech and, and speak and preach and try to transform your very being, or you can turn him off, as the case may be. Writing in the 17th century in Venice, 
The rabbi of the Venetian ghetto, Leon Modena, offered an idealized portrait of the contemporary rabbi. If one reads this portrait, which I'm going to read right now, it describes a rabbi with lofty aspirations and with a sense of commanding a presence within the Jewish community. So as Modena writes, these men, that is to say, the Chacham, the Rav, or Morenu, decide all controversies concerning the things that are either lawful or prohibited. They perform marriages and give bills of divorce. They preach also if they can. They, uh, that is, uh, if they can, I guess assuming that some can't. They are the chief men in the academies and have the uppermost seats in the academies. And there is generally great respect showed them in all things. An idealized portrait, to say the least. By the 17th century ghetto, uh, there were many rabbis competing for this same authority. And it wasn't clear that all of these rabbis had gained the respect of the congregation and certainly the non-Jewish community at all. Some two centuries later, Zachariah Frankel clearly had a different image of the modern German rabbi in mind when he wrote. Zachariah Frankel, by the way, was the founder of a great rabbinical seminary in Breslau, which became the prototype of the Jewish Logical Seminary of America, the conservative uh, seminary uh, which we know so well. And he wrote, to be intimately familiar with the Talmud is not enough. The muses must also not be strange to him. And even more dissimilar was the characterization of Solomon Schechter the soon-to-become chancellor of JTS in New York at the beginning of the 20th century, when he wrote, from now on, no one can be a rabbi in America who does not know how to play baseball as well as study Talmud. Pierce, you know anything about baseball? All right. Maybe fencing, or maybe your son. Um, that was Salman Schechter. In these last two centuries, the modern rabbi emerges with his professional duties now tailored to the new social context in which he, and eventually she, operates. Primarily a synagogue pulpit rabbi, secularly educated, oratorically gifted, and adept at pastoral guidance. He or she functioned in a community where their power and prestige were highly circumscribed and where their congregation became increasingly secularized and illiterate in Jewish affairs. In an American context, the rabbi often becomes an exemplary Jew who commands no special authority except by virtue of his or her personality, sincerity, and devotion to values he or she espouses. They perform their duties as leaders of prayer, as spokespersons for Judaism, albeit neither as scholarly in Jewish matters as some of their traditional predecessors, nor as informed in secular matters as some of their congregants. As custodians of Jewish knowledge and observance, even for some as hired hands, subjected somewhat painfully to the whims and passions of congregational leaders, and on precious occasions, as figures whose personal piety and human concern touch the lives of some of their congregants. In summarizing this succinct history, I want to emphasize above all the continuities that still remain with the past. The traditional rabbi was not always as secure in his authority as we might have thought. 
He was always limited by lay leadership, dependent on them economically, and always served multiple roles of teacher, preacher, and pastor. And they were required to learn about the world around them, not only the Talmud. Rabbis were never adversaries of general learning. The modern Haredi rabbi, the modern traditionalist who opposes all secular learning, is a product of our modern era, a modern construction of Judaism, just as reform or conservative or reconstructionist Judaism are modern constructions as well. In the past, in the traditional past, rabbis care deeply about learning both Jewish and non-Jewish. They served as cultural intermediaries between the Jewish and non-Jewish worlds, interpreted what they experienced within the context of traditional Jewish values and mores. And they remain both medieval and modern rabbis as communal role models perceived to have a calling of knowing and living the Torah. What can I say about the rabbi in our own uncertain age of Jewish life? a future faced with unanticipated challenges to the viability and survival of the Jewish people. I'm a mere historian, unlike the great Rabbi Pierce, not a prognosticator, but I am still tempted to offer the following thought, and perhaps he will either confirm or deny what I say. However bright or lugubrious the future of Jewish life in America may be, there is little doubt about the pivotal importance of rabbinic leadership in the future. Jews, whether diminished in numbers by the declining birth rate or deflated by intermarriage and assimilation, still require teachers and authentic practitioners of Judaism. They still require a sympathetic human being, a holy man or woman, a role model who offers them the cultural treasures and warm human links, binding them to their ancestral traditions. Undoubtedly, the rabbinate has required certain adjustments over time to relate to our present reality. The rabbi is no longer the exclusive expert on Jewish matters and often finds him or herself eclipsed by a new breed of Judaic scholars in university and seminary settings. But the new Jewish academics are neither hostile nor unsympathetic to the rabbinic calling. Many are rabbis themselves. Not all rabbis in the past were great scholars, lacking the luxury to spend their days poring over books. Nevertheless, they were aware and appreciative of scholarly distinction. And they were able to utilize and disseminate the erudition of rabbinic scholars to educate their own congregations. They perform the unique function of mediating between esoteric learning and the needs of a living community. Little has changed in this respect. The rabbi performs the unique function the academic scholar can never perform, to learn in order to teach and in order to do. Lilmod, lilamed, ulaasot. Notice the connection between these three words to learn in order to teach, in order to act, in order to transform the world. That is a key notion of Jewish learning and of rabbinic learning. By studying and applying and living the Torah, 
the rabbi remains in the language of the great American Jewish historian, Salo Baron, the chief protagonist in the drama of Jewish communal survival. Have I painted too rosy a picture? Am I simply giving a speech to honor my friend, ignoring too easily the enormous challenges we will face in years to come? in terms of the rabbinate, in terms of the future of our Jewish communities? I think not. Think of what one caring rabbi can do with sincerity, conviction, and human compassion. Think of your rabbinic leader of the past decades and what difference he has made. Think of Rabbi Stephen Pierce. And with such a record of what can be accomplished, there is surely reason to believe in a hopeful future. Amen.